0: Are y'all ready for the word? Got your seatbelts on? You're going to need them. You're going to need them today. Look at the back of that bulletin. You see all that scripture, that beautiful scripture? Beautiful scripture. It's not my words. It's his words, amen? It's his words that impact. His his words that bring life. That's why we have a lot of scripture. Uh, you know, in seminary school, they, t- they tell you to take get three points, Use a couple of scriptures to make each point, and then get out of there. Because the Baptist will get you at 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. But I'm so thankful that you guys don't worry about time here. You guys would never throw a gigantic clock up in there for me to have to look at. So thankful for y'all. Yeah, when that's new. But it's not digitized, so I don't pay attention to it because they didn't teach me how to do all that. I remember, well, watches looked like that about a year ago. Anyway, we should pray. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It's always on time. God, thank you for blessing us with your presence. Thank you for going before us and and the people that you have here at this appointed time. God, bless them beyond measure. Father, may they see you for who you really are. Someone who loves them right where they are. Father, thank you for for your great love for them and, and blessing them to be better on their way out than they were when they came in here. God, you are an amazing Father, one who truly loves us unconditionally. We thank you. God, show us Jesus everywhere in Scripture. In his name we pray. Let the church say, Amen. All right, let's get right on in it. Grace in action. All right, grace in action. Whenever you see grace walking on crutches, that's grace in action right there, boy. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. You are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace in action. So let's go to Jude. Jude used to be my favorite book in the Bible because if my teacher ever told me to read a book. I'm going to Jude. It didn't take a genius to figure out there's one chapter. I can do that, collect my candy bar, get back out of there. Amen. Anybody go to school or Sunday school looking for a candy bar? Back when they had them velvet things. Is Jesus. I'm like, Jesus is falling. <laughs> like his little picture was rolling up down there. Y'all remember the velvet boards? No, Bobby, I know you do. You invented it. <laughs> Acting like you ain't up there with me. Jude chapter 1. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Right? Earnestly. Contend. Fight. Fight for it. Fight for the faith. Fight for the faith, right? Fight for the faith, which was once for all delivered. Once for all. Say once for all. Once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness, licentiousness, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when people come against grace teaching, Do you think that Pastor Dwayne and I, have you ever heard us deny Jesus Christ? Ever? No. We lift up the name of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. We we trust that you see Jesus in us. Amen? So when people say the grace, when they preach all that grace, they're giving people a license to sin, I'm like, you need to read your Bible. Because it's actually the opposite. See where it says, who turned the grace of God our Lord, the grace of our God into lewdness? See that? Let's look at that word. That word is metatiphany. Look what it means. To transfer, to cha- transpose two things, one which is put in place of the other. So basically what this is saying is there's ungodly men that are going to come in and turn the grace of God into something else. So the grace message is not an, uh, a new message. It's the original good news. And religious people have tried to come back in and turn it back around. And Paul's like, I have none of that back when he was writing in Galatians. We'll see that later, right? So he pronounced a double curse on people that would do that. And so people come against the grace teaching all the time. What they're really coming against is people that tell people good news. Can you imagine if the angels would have showed up to the Pharisees that night Jesus was born? Behold. I bring you good news. Nah, you're from hell. Don't bring that good news up in here. You see, God knows. He knows appointment times, right? He knows to put the right people in the right place at the right time. That happened to me. Somebody was in the right. Look, I used to be that guy that came against those those grace preachers. (laughs) Giving people a license to sin. You do not need a license to sin. You never had one. You don't get born, come out the womb, boom, there's your license, you can sin now. Do you? So that doesn't even make any sense. So you don't need a license to sin. All right. Grace is the only antidote against licentiousness. It's the only one. If you go back and you look at this, the grace is the good news. Grace is the favor from God. That's good news, right? And it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. The old message, the old covenant was the law. You were judged by the law, and if you couldn't keep the law, you had to have a sacrifice, right? But how many of you guys know that Jesus is the Lamb of lambs? The Lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. Doesn't cover it up. Doesn't take it away for a year on Yom Kippur. He took it away. But the enemy, and some pastors, <laughs> want to, to put it back on you. It's not for you, church. If Christ took it, he took it. Took it. Say, took it. (laughs) He took it. Don't try to get it back. The pulpit is so important. You can pull people out of a pit or you can pull people into a pit. We don't have a pulpit. Lord knows we don't. We don't have a pulpit. We don't need a pulpit, do we? Amen. That that because I feel like it comes between y'all and me. Like when I want y'all to kiss my ring. I want you to do it freely. <laughs> don't be scared. <laughs> anyway, the first temptation. Anybody remember the first temptation in scripture? Happened in Genesis three. Now, most of us are thinking the tree, the fruit, right? But I want to submit to you the first temptation is actually found in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the first temptation in scripture is not that she ate the fruit. The first temptation in scripture is Satan made God appear stingy. Like God didn't want to bless them. He he made them doubt God's goodness. He made them doubt that God wanted them to freely eat. You see that? Isn't that amazing? In fact, if you go back to chapter 2, this is what happened. And the Lord God commanded the man. Say commanded. Say we think that God was holding something back. When God commanded them, it wasn't prohibition. God commanded them to eat freely. Isn't that beautiful? That's how that's his heart for people. He's a good God, amen? He commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Not just eat. Freely eat. Isn't that awesome? Did man have to do anything? Nope, it was already done, right? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. There were two trees in the midst. One was the tree of life, which represents Jesus. The other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which represents the law. And anytime you eat from the law, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. You know why? Because it's called the it's called the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of death. But Jesus, the tree of life, they just ate from the wrong tree. And you know why they ate from the wrong tree? Because there was doubt playing in their head. Doubt that God is not that good. When he said you could freely eat. Isn't that amazing? You can freely eat. So Satan, he wants you to think prayer is not good enough. That you must fight for something. He's like, man, are you sure God heard your prayer? Maybe he didn't. Maybe you got to fight for it a little bit. Maybe you got to do something. Right? Puts it back on you. All the stuff. Anytime you're under law, you're going to feel like you have to do something. But when you are under grace, you know he's going to do something. And you hear him better when you're resting and trusting him to go before you. Because he already has. Amen? So, I want you to see this in 2 Samuel 12. Very interesting. Then Nathan said to David, this is right as he's getting busted. You are the man. And, and, it, and it's not in context, so don't think that he was like, David, you're the man. <laughs> no, it was like, David, you're the man that did that, right? Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. God's telling David all the things he did, right? And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. That is by law. His master's wife, when the master died, he uh, married the wife uh, and, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. That's God's heart. God is not a stingy God. Satan wants you to think he's stingy. All David had to do was ask. But he took matters into his own hands. It was like one of them lifetime shows. Right? He took matters into his own hands. And God said, man, all you had to do was ask me. If that was too little for you, all you had to do was ask me. And I'm telling you, man, there's somebody out there, if your marriage is in trouble, all you got to do is ask. If your finances are in trouble, all you got to do is ask. If you need some healing, all you got to do is ask God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Help me to see it. You don't have to ask for your healing because it's there. You ask for revelation that you can see it. Amen? And feel it. Get excited up here, baby. If I jump right there, will both y'all catch me? I think I trust this one more than I trust both of you. <laughs> Woo! So prayer is actually grace in action. You know that there's no thing, nothing in the Ten Commandments about praying. Nothing. You know why? Because the Ten Commandments is about you and your strength but grace is saying i know i can't but i know you can and you're giving him you're giving him praise and worship for for being the only one who can help you in your situation because he knows your situation before you even know it and not only does he know it he knows the ending and and, and the bible says god makes all things say all things all things work together for your good amen you just going to let that sit there At least you didn't throw it back at me. You know what I'm saying? I'd have caught it like a ninja, though. I'm letting you know. WHAT oh, God, I get you! Oh! That's just, just, yeah, You know how they're like a minute behind? <laughs> you ever seen the Bruce Lee movies? I'm going to beat that. How do we even go down these roads, man? riding rolls, don't nobody want to go down. Y'all know that song? Me, (laughs) man. Luke 11. Luke 11. So Luke, in the Bible, Luke, there's four Gospels, right? Luke is the one that talks about Jesus as a man more than any of the other Gospels, right? As a man. Luke, he talks about Jesus as a man. And look what they said right here. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, When he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. They knew that that the source of Jesus' power was his prayer. Because he was talking to God like a father. Because he was representing a man, right? When he was down here. And so the greatest strength a man can have is to pray to your father in heaven. And the people, the disciples saw that. They saw, they recognized that was the source of Jesus' power. His conversations with his father. Same for you, church. Same for you. Your power is in your words that you speak to him. And, and he loves to be reminded of all the things that he's already done. Amen? The Bible says when we pray, we pray as if we've already received it. That's You know what that is? That's saying thank you. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my financial freedom. Thank you. Thank you that, that my marriage is, 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 is perfect. Thank you that my, my wife will act just like you created her to act. Woo! Let's get back to scripture. God is not good to us because we are good. Most people think when I'm good, God will be good to me. That's not true. God is good because he's good. Even when you're bad, God is still good to you. While you were still sleeping, while you were still sinning, Jesus came. God didn't hold Jesus back. If God's holding something back because of your badness, why would he send Jesus? The best that heaven had to offer. He didn't send David. He didn't send Moses, Abraham, Elijah. He sent Jesus, the best that heaven had to offer while you were still sinning, how much does God love you? That's unconditional love right there. So don't let people tell you, hey, you got to get right. You got to be good for God to love you and God to bless you. No, you don't. Your blessings are not dependent upon your actions. Your blessings are dependent upon the one who represents you and his actions. And that's good news, right? Because we can't do it. And sometimes we get so tired of it. We get so tired of trying that we just stop. And that's when you know the enemy has gotten in your head. We need to see him as good. We need to see him as good to us even when we're not good. And, and this is what the Bible says right here, just like, uh, Romans 2, 4. Or do you not despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God will lead you to repent? Repent there means change your mind. See, people try to throw the law at you to get you to repent. The Bible says, tell them how good God is. Then they'll repent. Instead of, hey, man, you got to get your life together. (laughs) So do you. (laughs) You're pointing fingers. Get your own life together. Amen? But, man, the more you focus on his goodness, the more you will change your mind. Anybody ever been on that rat wheel? Sin confess, sin confess, sin confess. Because you are focusing on your sin and your failures, in which case you confess them. But if you focus on your Savior and how good He is, that's true repentance. That doesn't, Repentance doesn't mean you're confessing your sin. Repentance means you're changing your mind. That He's good. Amen? Metanoia. Say meta. Change. No, ya. Mine. And if there's somebody Hebrew that's watching me, that that dude just jacked up our language. But I'm from Lincoln Estates in Southeast Gainesville. All right. So you tell your Hebrew friends, come find me. I got something for them. My weapons are not carnal. Check out his story. 2 Kings chapter 13. Elisha. Elisha was about to die. Elisha was a prophet, did more miracles than his former predecessor did, right? Elisha. So, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die, right? He knew he was going out. Then, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, that, That's disgusting when someone's crying over your face. <laughs> like tears falling down. You're trying to. Anyway. That just came to my mind. See, that's how I read the Bible. (laughs) I'll just stop and be like, what is that? Right. right, Anyway, um, wept over his face and said, oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and and their horsemen. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took for himself a bow and some arrows. This is the last thing Elisha was going to do before he died. Then, Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot! And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. That arrow had meaning. Spiritual meaning. Right? Um, uh, For you must strike the Syrians at Ephek till you have destroyed them. Now remember this: he's on his deathbed. This is the last thing he's doing. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped and the man of God was angry with him Like, why would he be angry with him and he said you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it but now you will strike Syria only three times in other words church we limit God we limit God we think he's only going to meet us somewhere some, some little place Because he's a stingy God. Because he's withholding something from you. That's false. God is not withholding anything from you. He's not stingy. Don't limit God. Imagine if he had struck it five or six or ten times. Amen. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That's how important it is. That's why Satan attacks that. This is my second favorite verse in the Bible. My first one was Jesus wept. You remember I had to memorize scripture? (laughs) Even those kids can become pastors. (laughs) Pray without ceasing. It's true. Pray without ceasing. All it's saying is, see, prayer is not when you get on your knees and you put your hands together. You can pray anywhere. You can have a conversation with him because he's real, church. He's not some figure that's up in the clouds. He's real. It's a relationship. Talk to him when you're walking down the hallway. Talk to him when you're driving. When you're on the toilet. you like, on the toilet? Yeah. He knows all the crap that's in you. <laughs> Let it out. Confession. <laughs> Please delete that. James 1550 no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing think about that how many people say you got to serve the Lord you got to serve the Lord you got to serve the Lord you got to serve 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 I'm like hey Jesus said <laughs> hey can you keep the mercy Jesus said I'm <laughs> just that's not what it means no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. My father, he says. Do you guys know that he is our father? I mean, he's our father. And it's a relation. It's not like my earthly father, right? My real dad. Yeah, that's, that's no bueno. I would wait on the edge of my bed for him to come on Friday and he would never show up never come. Then my mom would come in and say, I'm sorry, baby. Sorry. I I don't know what happened. The times he did show up, he was good, man. He would pick me up, take me back to Tampa, put me on the couch, give me the remote. I wouldn't see him for two days. Different lady in there. Those are good times when you were a little kid, eh? And so I thought, hey, Maybe God is like that to me because he's not clearly answering my prayers. Maybe he leaves me alone. Maybe he doesn't want to be, you know, giving me something that I don't deserve. You know, and and, and he'd come home drunk and I'm sitting there. Seven, eight, nine, ten years old. But boy, I got to watch all the TV I wanted to watch. That was him parenting me. But he was never there. He never came. And I expected him to be there. Some of us think that that's how we are with God. Like, God, 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 I expect God to show up and do something. Where are you? And that's because you've fallen for that old temptation where you're doubting God. He's already got it planned out. And you want to get rid of that stress in your life? Stop focusing on your lack. Focus on your safety. Focus on your supplier. That's who he is. Amen? He goes before us. And I I ask the Lord, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for my financial freedom. People get mad with prosperity stuff. Listen, don't get mad at me because I'm asking the Lord for something for my family. That I believe in. You need to ask something for your family, right? Focus on your family. Leave mine out. I'm asking the Lord. The Bible says you have not because you... Wait, he ain't talking about money. <laughs> Why not? Where does it say that? Hey, listen, I'm not a listen. i I'm not trying to get money so I can have money. I'm trying to get money so I can give money. That's what the Lord blesses, Amen. But I ain't gonna apologize for it. You gonna come on? Come on. Hey, I seen your house, man. Seen your car. And, are you supposed to be a pastor? <laughs> supposed to be? Why can't we live under God's blessings like that? I don't understand why people apologize for it. I'm not. I'm like, God, if they don't want it, give it to me. If they don't want to ask for it, give it to me. Amen? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Know this story. I want you to see something. This is what I want you to see. There's one phrase in here I want you to see. He said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of 5,000. That's just the men, not the ladies and the children. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Some people think God is stingy. He'll give you as much as you want. And then there'll be leftovers. It's up to you. Those people ate. They ate until they were full. And when they were full and when they were satisfied, that's when it stopped. But it didn't stop. It still was flowing. But God gave them as much as they wanted. So there goes that that religious belief that God will only give you what you need. Where is that? I'm telling you what God's heart is for people. Amen. You see it? As much as they wanted. Love that. So that when they were, look, so when they were full, they were full. Right? You know, you know that those people were Israelites and not Baptists. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> it would have taken a lot. That would have been four chapters to explain that right there. They, they still eating, Lord. Again, that's how I read scripture. All right. Uh, Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, uh, which were left over by those who had eaten. That's unbelievable. I love that they ate as much as they wanted, and they were full. The word filled there is satisfied. They were satisfied. Amen. Beautiful. Deuteronomy 6, 10, verse 11. This is what God, this is God's heart for people. Back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, right? So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Houses full, full of all good things which you did not fill. Oh my goodness. Uh, Hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and when you have eaten and are full, full, God gave the Israelites all this stuff: the Promised Land flowing with milk milk and honey—not just milk and honey, flowing with. Listen, it, it was flowing. Say, flowing. That's unbelievable. Those words matter, church. Those words matter. And so God has given them all this stuff. They didn't, be, And giants were building this stuff. Them big houses. Them deep wells. Refrigerators stocked. They didn't have to do nothing. But you know what happened? They didn't believe God was that good. They sent 12 spies. They came back and said, nope, giants over there. We can't take them. God just told them this. And two of them came back and said, yeah, we can take them. look at these grapes. Look, look at these grapes. Right? There's a pole. Two grapes on the end of it. They went over there and saw the grapes. <laughs> but everybody said, no, nah, we got to kill them. They wanted to kill the grace creatures because they brought good news that still happens today church Not maybe not physically you know it ain't going to be physical I'd knock somebody out but, but with their words with their words amen the tongue has the power of life and death I'll be blocking that with my shield of faith and my breastplate of righteousness why y'all laughing I was going somewhere with this, I promise. So they they came back, and, 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 uh, and, and what I want you to see is they attacked the two guys that, that saw the good news. People are going to hell. People died in the wilderness because they did not receive the good news. That's why they died. People are going to hell today because they reject the good news. It's not sin. People are not going to hell because of sin. Sin is paid for. They're going to hell because they reject the sin payment, which is the good news. So they died because they didn't think God was that good. There's a lot of people spiritually who are dying inside because they don't believe God is that good. This morning, I hope that you repent. You change your mind and see God as being good in his heart for you. Grace is not a new message, man. It's not. It hasn't been. People try to say this grace message is new. Man, we got to go back. Go back. See what happens. I won't go back. I won't go back. My backup singers over here, boy. Yeah. You like that Italian trio. Galatians 1. Check this out. Double curse on those who 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 come against grace. Double curse. You won't hear this at a lot of other places. Amen. You won't hear it. I marvel that you are turning away. Turning away so soon from him who called you in the... Whoa. I thought it read law when I was growing up. But Paul's saying, I marvel. He's like, man, I'm dumbfounded. That's literally what me. That you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Two A. What does that tell you? Anything that is not the grace message is a different gospel. Anything that is not the grace of God is a different gospel. But that's not how the world treats you. It's not how Satan presents it. We always hear, man, those grace preachers, man. They, they if you see a, a pastor on TV made the world news or whatever, man, and they're like, man, that pastor fell from grace, man. He hooked up with a, a stripper in Vegas or whatever and he just fell from grace. First of all, you cannot fall from grace grace is higher than the law bible says when you go back to the law you fall from grace that's the only way you can do it is go back to try and be justified by the law grace is higher than the law amen and when you sin when you sin you don't fall from grace you actually fall into grace that's why it's called grace it's good news it's giving you something you don't deserve People don't deserve forgiveness in my point of view. Some people don't. Don't, don't look at me like that. You guys feel the same way? Y'all like, <laughs> I'm human too. But I feel like some people, I don't want to forgive some people. But when you do, that's grace. You're giving them favor, you're giving them something they don't deserve. Jesus has given us this grace in which we stand. We're standing in grace, we're standing in forgiveness. Amen? It's beautiful. Don't anybody try to tell you that that, that you fall from grace when you do that. No, you fall into grace. That's the whole point of it. Amen? Whoo! Which is not, he says, it's not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So the gospel of Christ and the grace of Christ are the same thing. They're intertwined right there. You could reverse them right there. See? Same thing. And, And they want to pervert it. They want to pervert the gospel. And now the world will tell you that the people that are perverting the gospel are the grace preachers. When in fact, it's the exact opposite. And that's because Satan wants to make you think that he is God. And he twisted all around. He just twisted. Tell Satan, look man, don't get it twisted. Don't. Don't even come at me. I'm protected. Amen? What? What? What's so funny? What did I say? Oh. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. A curse if you're not preaching the gospel of grace. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be a curse. A double cursing for those who come against the grace message. Isn't that unbelievable? Say that to one of those people that come at you. Say, bro, you need to get away from me. You double curse. They're going to be like, what? You you need to read your Bible, man. I'll talk to you later, man. You double curse. Get away from me. Get away from me! You start walking away. (laughs) Don't don't touch me. Acts. Acts. Let's go to Acts. We're almost done here, guys. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. He's on his way out. He's on his way to die. And you know what he's saying? He said none of that stuff, my past, none of all that stuff I tried to do religiously matters to me. Uh, that I may finish my rights with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. What ministry did Paul receive from Jesus? To testify to the gospel of? That's amazing. That is amazing. That was Paul's gospel. How in the world did I miss this for 20 years? That's important. The grace of God. The the favor of God. That's what Paul testified to. You know who opened uh, Paul's eyes? Anybody know? Ananias. Anybody know what Ananias' name means? Grace. Like grace opened up his eyes. You didn't ask it that's by chance? Nope. Everything in scripture matters. Amen? And and indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. He's like, I'm going, but I, I want you, I'm testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. And so when people accuse us of grace teaching and all that stuff out there talking behind our backs and all that, because they won't say nothing to our face. They won't say it to his face. (laughs) But you know what? We're in good company. We're in good company. All right. Mark 3. What angers Jesus? What makes Jesus mad? Don't you want to know what makes Jesus mad? Now, in Scripture, we, we're we told that, that when he flipped the tables over, man, he was ticked. But the Bible doesn't say he was angry. Only in one place does it say he's angry. And we're about to see it. And now, he may have been angry. I believe he was angry. But the Bible doesn't say he was angry. And the Holy Spirit puts anger here for a reason. I think we should see what makes him, what makes him angry. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. They didn't question whether he could heal. They wanted to know if he would heal on the Sabbath. Somebody in their church was going to get healed on a Sunday or Saturday back then. But they didn't care. They were looking at him to see if he would do it on a Sunday or a Sabbath. Uh and he said to the man who had the withered hand, "Step forward." I love Jesus. All these religious people over there talking about, "Nah, you can't do that." Jesus, is like, man, shut up. Step forward. He probably didn't say shut up. He may have. He was angry. I would've. Have. I'd have been like, "Shut up." You. you ever see Donkey in the in the in the? In the, in the, in the. Wait, well, you remember that Shrek where Donkey puts his face on the fish thing? He's like, "Shut up." I do love straight. All right. Uh, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil or to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Of course they did. What were they going to say? And when he had looked around at them with, that's the only place in scripture we see Jesus man. Why was he man? Right? He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then all the Pharisees went out and immediately started worshiping the Lord for healing somebody in their church. Nope. That's why you don't buy your Bible from the Dollar General. You get that Rick James Version. That's how it opens up. Hey, and God created. Can you see Rick James as a pastor? That would be awesome. Would. Anyway, anyway, to the. The Pharisees got mad. Man, they wanted. To, they wanted to destroy Jesus. He just healed somebody, and you know why he was angry? At the hardness of their hearts. He was angry at their lack of grace. He was angry that they they didn't see him as someone who loves some somebody people. He loves people. They were worried about the law. He loves people. You think Jesus cared what they thought? No, he was angry and he healed the person. It didn't stop that person from receiving their miracle. Isn't that beautiful? Because he loves people. He will not let religion get in the way. So some people go to churches that they, they, they might not feel like somebody's praying over them. We have some a couple in this church that when they found out some very bad news, the pastor didn't have time for them. They came here Dwayne put oil on them, man. We prayed over him. Beautiful. Right? Religion will not stop somebody from receiving a miracle. Because God loves people. Right? Last two verses. What grieves the Holy Spirit? People say, hey, man, my spirit is grieved. You see that lady's sh- skirt this morning in church? My spirit is grieved. You see that lady with all that makeup on her face? My spirit is grieved. People use that excuse all the time, don't they? My spirit is something. just, my spirit, my spirit is grieved. Get up out of here, then. Your spirit all grieved up. <laughs> Meanwhile, they got a ton that can whip somebody from another room. <laughs> I've been there getting coffee. Pow! What grieves the Holy Spirit? Let's see. There it is. It's in Scripture. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Bam. Stop. Full stop right there. That's all you need to know. That little comma thing makes a difference, doesn't it? Right? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed. that, That means that when you sin, the Holy Spirit doesn't pop out of you. That should tell you how much God loves you. When you sin, when you fail, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. Stays in you. You know why? That's how powerful the blood of Jesus was. So much God loves you. Right? But see how it says, and do not grieve? You should know you can't start a sentence with and. Right? So that means something comes before this. And when y'all come back next Sunday, you will find out. (laughs) Let's look. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Anything that comes out of your mouth that does not impart grace, favor, makes the Holy Spirit grieve. The Holy Spirit is not grieved by people that wear certain clothes, people that believe a certain way. People that worship a certain way. We we all you know the color of the bathrooms. My Holy Spirit is just green. The toilet paper is not soft enough. The church must be in a downturn financially. They get into one sheeters. Right? This is funny because people think like that. None of that stuff grieves the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit is when you do not give people grace with your mouth. You don't forgive people freely. You don't love people freely. You don't lift up and edify people when they don't deserve it. Because that's what the Lord does with us. He loves us so much that he gives us the best that heaven has to offer. Even though we fail. I failed many times just this morning on this stage. But you know what? God can still use you. People need to see that when we fail, God can still use us. And that means God can still use them. That means God's got a plan, a purpose for their life. Even though we fail. Amen? God is good, church. God is not stingy. He loves you. He will provide for you. He is the God of much more. All you have to do is simply receive it. Amen? We receive it by understanding how good he is, and that he's not sin. Don't receive teaching that lets you and and let Satan fill you with doubt that says God is not going to provide something for you because you keep doing this. I do that. One thing I battle with is, man, I keep spending money. Why is God going to bless me with money when I just keep spending? I'm so in debt, right? I I get in my own head about it. When I know that I've been been that way for 20-some years. That thinking in my mind. But now I have learned through studying that God is just showing me; He's revealing me, man. I, if I can save you from your sin, I can definitely save you from your financial trouble. I believe that. And there may be people say that's not what He does. That's what he does. you you got to do. That you got to I'm not. What I'm doing ain't working. And instead of me trying to do something, try to buy a whole new book to read by some man that's got it all figured out. God is saying you trust me put grace in action you ask me and that's what my 2020 goal is to do is when I don't have nothing I see lack I'm turning my back on my lack
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm putting my eyes on Jesus my supply amen all right, we, listen, we better, will you stand? Will you stand and give Jesus the praise? Because he honestly is the one that has done all this for us. He's gone before us. He's paid the way. He's made your path straight. Amen? Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. You just start thanking the Lord in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Thanking the Lord for all that he's done in your life. If you feel like you don't have something, it's you just need to ask him. Ask him. Put it on him. Trust him. Trust the Lord. And he's right there. Because I keep pointing right there. Trust the Lord. So Pastor Dwayne's going to come up. He's going to pray a blessing over you. All you got to do to receive that blessing is say amen. Say thank you Father for blessing me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The way you do that is amen, amen, amen. It says may it be so to me as the words that you give him come out of his mouth. That's all we have to do. Listen. I'm going to be down uh, down here, at the end of service, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, will you lead them in a prayer? Yes, so he'll Pastor Dwayne will lead you in a prayer if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ. If you, you may have thought you knew who Jesus was, but now you see he's good. Now you see he's not out to get you every time you mess up. Amen. He loves you right where you are. Just repeat the prayer that Pastor Dwayne prays. That's it. we all going to repeat it together. It ain't like you'd be the only one. People be looking at you like, that dude ain't saved. Relax, relax, right? Just speak out the words as everybody says them. Um, if you want to join our church, this is who we are, it's what we believe, whether it's me or him teaching. This is just, we love the Lord. We are truly free, and we ain't going back. I can't even go visit another service because I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can see people that are bound up. My heart is to make them free. And if I stand up in the middle of their church and go, yo! <laughs> I'll get kicked out. So y'all pray for us. But man, this is what we believe. We love the Lord here. We, it's a family here. I truly believe it's a family. I get texts on Saturday from people to say I'm not going to make it. Who does that? You know why they do it? Because they, it's a family. They they really want they want to know that this is why they're not coming. I think it's cool, man. I really do. Except when they're like at one o'clock in the morning. Ben. Anyway. If you need prayer for anything, man, we got oil down here, man. Please come down. Let us pray over you. Uh, But I'm going to let Pastor Dwayne take it over and and just pray a, a prayer. You guys repeat after him and just say amen.
1: Amen in church. Amen. Um, one last announcement before we leave. Uh, I don't know how many of you have already know this, but I've had a, a, a career change and uh, I am in the life insurance industry now. So there's a lot that has taken place in the life insurance industry over the years. Many of you probably already have policies, but you probably haven't looked at those policies in quite a while. You may not even quite understand what it is that you actually have, Uh, I would love the opportunity to sit down with you and talk to you. I have some brochures here, and I have have business cards that I would love to um, put in your hand before we leave today. Amen. And One more announcement. We do have a youth event tonight at the Pointer's House. It's from 5
0: to 7. If you need directions or the address, uh, please let me know. It's going to be time of eating and fellowship, and they're going to play a few games. Again, that is a youth thing tonight. If you need
1: directions, come see me at the church. Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us today to come and receive from you, to hear from you, Father. Thank you for your grace that is so sufficient for every area of our lives, Lord. Thank you for the gospel of grace, Father. Thank you for the truth, Father, that makes us free. Lord, we thank you for giving us hearing ears and hearts to receive your word today, Father. We thank you for the one that you used, Father, to speak life unto us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to just receive from you, Father, and just to be edified, to be encouraged, Father, to be equipped to continue to uh, be an extension of you and to share the gospel, Father, with those who don't quite know you or even just to encourage other believers, Father. Lord, we just bless you and thank you uh, again for... Uh, the many blessings, God, that you bestowed upon each and every one of us, God. We thank you, Lord, for just the the word, Father, that you have already spoken out over us. And we know, God, that according to your word, that your word does not uh, return to you void, but it accomplishes everything that you sent it out to accomplish. And so, Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. And we thank you for the, the power of life and death that's in our tongue, Father, that we too can speak life, Father and see things take place, Father. Thank you for giving us the faith, Father, to say what we want to see, Father, not uh, walk by sight, but to walk by faith and to continue to trust you and to take every step knowing, that, God, that you would not allow us uh, to stumble and to fall, but you would always cause us to rise up and to walk. And we bless you. Thank you for strengthening us, Father, for supplying all of our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And Father, for those who are, who are in this place today, Father, maybe they don't have a personal relationship with, with you, Father. I just want to give them an opportunity now, Father, to just to receive Jesus, to receive the one that you, that you sent to save us. So, Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that this congregation will just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for making a way of escape for me. I recognize now that Jesus is Lord. And I confess with with my mouth that he is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. And now according to your word, I am now saved. And I thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for making me holy. Thank you for purifying me. Thank you for making all things work together for my good. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.